Hey there, folks, and welcome to episode 160 of the Eddie Herocast and his amazing friends, formerly the Eddie and Caleb Herocast. The amazing friend of the week, of course, is Simon Cotton is back at Simon SGC Speaks on Twitter. Thank you for returning to the pod. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for having me. Well, no problem. It's, uh, you you know, the last time you were on, it was a week that, uh, you know, we did Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the same week Across the Spider-Verse came out. And this week it is Captain Marvel, the same week that Secret Invasion is coming out with, uh, I think it's this week, with uh, Nick yep. Fury and the Scrolls. So. Time just keeps working on our side, it seems like. I know, I know. Maybe I have to trying to see what, um, maybe if we have you on for like uh, another X-Men movie they'll announce a, a date for a release of an X-Men movie or something <laughs> seems like every appearance you you trigger something in the the universe so who knows but yeah this is uh, Captain Marvel came out in 2019 let me get the exact date here it's uh, March 8th, 2019, to be exact. Um, let us go over the time capsule. Um, oh, so I remember checking Facebook to see what I was doing around this time. I had uh, This was the last time I had played paintball was in March of 2019, and uh, I don't anticipate doing that anymore. Um not that the <laughs> not that the paintballs hurt because those go away. It was it was the uh, the muscle soreness of crouching and running and falling in the mud and uh, having to get my wrist X-rayed because I fell in the mud and landed. Uh, I like wedged my wrist between the gun and my body and. Uh, Ouch. No, no. I think what they say it was like a sprain, a strain, sprain, or I don't know. It's fine now, but it uh, it hurt for a while. But uh, yeah, it was mostly my knees. I could not. I don't know. I stretched, but I guess I didn't stretch enough. <sighs> it's painful. I'm too old for that. Uh, let's see. Our number one song was uh, "Shallow" by Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. To uh, hmm. it might be the first time we've had. Hmm. Might be the first time we've had a uh, not one but two artists who will be on the podcast in various. Well, Lady Gaga has her movie has not come out yet, but Bradley Cooper, of course, was Rocket. And our champions in wrestling. This is the most stagnant the list has ever been. You get like maybe one switch up a week, so. Let's run through it. WWE was Daniel Bryan, Universal Brock Lesnar, NXT was Tommaso Ciampa, Raw Women was Ronda Rousey, SmackDown Women was Asuka, NXT Women was Rhea Ripley. I think that was maybe the change, or maybe I just had it written down wrong. Anyway, and then IWGP was Jay White. But I think a week, uh, either next week or the week after, we're going to get a big shakeup. So that'll be good. Sick of seeing the same names over and over. Yeah, because this is this movie came out around March, I think. Yep. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll WrestleMania see. around the season, the, the the next corner in uh April. Yeah, definitely some uh, changes coming. 
I'll be excited when I can just leave Roman Reigns' name in for the WWE champion and just not even have to check that every week. <laughs> the that's, champion this week was. That's you coming. already know. That's coming. Moving on. <laughs> that was, what, a thousand days ago, so we're, we're approaching. Uh, oh, sometime in, eh, I guess not till what, 2021, I think. Or 20, I don't remember. I don't know. I, live math is not good, so... We won't even attempt it. Um, oh, history with the movie. I had seen it once in theater, and I believe that was the only time I had seen it. Hmm. My history with the movie is, I think, slightly deeper. Off the top of my head, I'm not sure if I saw it more than once in theaters, but I distinctly remember getting a digital download from the movie because during the summer of 2019 I worked for ABC which is an affiliate uh, or the news side of Disney so I I'm def- I know I've watched it more than once but uh yeah well neither of us have come close to Stephen Rupel who made news I think he's a guy in Wisconsin he's a Wisconsin chiropractor who for whatever reason saw this movie 116 times in the theater. That is quite a lot of time to see this. Yeah, I can't think of any movie I would want to see that many times over the course of my life, much less in a couple months span. Yeah. Oh, that's the well, yeah, yeah, he broke the Guinness World Record. You're seeing it like multiple times a day. That's very odd. I don't know. What did he How how much time did he have to even accomplish that? Well, he's a chiropractor, so he makes good money, but you would think he would have to, you know, go to work. Maybe just see it every evening after work, and then maybe multiple times on the weekend? I guess. I just, but also, why? (laughs) Well, I did look it up, and actually did go and see this movie twice when it came out in theaters. Well, if you just saw it 115 more times, you could have beat his record. If only. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, I've not seen it that many times, but, uh, hey, I mean, if he likes it, then go for it, I guess. Uh, so, facts and figures. Budget, $160 million. Box office, man, $1.131 billion. Guessing half of that was Steven, but still. That's, uh, yeah, they can. That's quite Marvel a bit. from about uh, 2016 to uh, 2019 could not be stopped. Yeah, this was, um, and I'm part of me is wondering, nothing against Captain Marvel, but Captain Marvel's notoriety is not that of Iron Man or Captain America or Spider Man. So I'm wondering if Marvel just got it in their heads, if we just put our logo on a movie. Shang-Chi, The Eternals, Black Widow. People will go see it and not even question it because it has Marvel on it. And uh, yeah, this not is not the case. This is definitely the attitude era, a post-attitude era level of thinking. Yes. Uh, kind of bringing it back to wrestling. Like, eh, we built the reputation off of doing top-notch stuff, so if everything isn't as top-notch, we can let it slide. We'll still yeah. make money. Yeah, I was just thinking that because it's like in middle school, 
if you weren't watching the Monday Night Wars, you were made fun of. Um, and then it's like lunch at, on and school on Tuesday. It's like, oh, did you guys watch Nitro? Oh, did you see what DX did? Oh, did you see what the NWO did? See what Austin did? And it was uh, every Tuesday. That was it. And if you were like, no, I don't watch that, you were the loser. And it's funny because, like, all those kids I went to middle school with now, they couldn't – they might know Roman Reigns. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's crazy how people just get – I mean, that's how kind of like cultures go, right? There's something explodes and everybody has to be a part of it. And this is definitely the end game wave that we're riding. But yeah, that so the profit uh, ended up being around 971 million. If you adjust the inflation, Ooh. it's 1.155 billion. That puts it at number eight on the list. So a top 10 movie, congrats, uh, right below Aquaman. But right above Civil War. How about that? It's kind of embarrassing that a movie featuring a character that very few people were familiar with managed to completely out-earn God, how many movies from DC at this point? <laughs> Everyone Justice but League. Aquaman. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's there, there, there we go. Especially considering Wonder Woman is, of the female heroes, the most well-known. And she got beat out by... Probably a B or C list character, if my memory serves me correctly. And it's funny, my friend and I were talking over the weekend. It's like, is the Marvels going to be profitable? Like, I don't know. I mean, The Flash, which had, you know, the return of Michael Keaton, doesn't look like it's going to make money. It looks like it's about to be a bomb. Um, Not that it's a superhero movie, but Elemental, no one saw that. I think the Pixar bubble is maybe burst, but... And then Ant-Man kind of struggled. Shazam 2 didn't make money. It's like, man. I know Guardians did well. Spider-Verse did well. But we'll see about Marvel. Like, I don't know. Seems like the mediocre is no longer being accepted. you got to be at least good to great going forward. Or people are not going to be that interested. Yeah, I mean, I look, I hope the Marvels does well. I think it's going to probably set up something big i mean i hope i don't know i think they, they got to get something going they got to introduce dr doom or something they gotta they gotta inject some some life into this because you know you can't be throwing out all these box office bombs and you got to make money on the the big end game movie or the uh, avengers movies down the line and got to get people hyped so you just have to yeah uh, we'll see but um, Rotten Tomatoes, this one is uh, maybe our first review bomb of, that we've seen of the podcast. <laughs> Critics, 79%. Fans, 45%. That seems suspiciously low. I'm um, not saying this movie's yeah. a 10 out of 10 by any means, but a 45, mm, I'm suspecting a review bomb was... Maybe done. I know Brie Larson's not the most popular person. Kind of has the feminist attitude on Twitter. I know she had the one tweet about she got hit on and it annoyed her, and a lot of women didn't like, or a lot of men didn't like that. Probably some women too, but I don't know. I try to stay out of all that. I just it's like it's like Ezra Miller. He's probably one of the worst people in Hollywood, (laughs) and it's like, hey, he was a really good Flash. What can I say? We'll spend, we'll have to spend an hour just talking about him if we get into his stuff. Um, yeah, 
when I look at the ratings for that movie, it's definitely a case of review bombing. And without giving too much of my thoughts away for the movie as we review it, this movie is way more coherent than a lot of the other stuff that has come before and a lot of the stuff we're going to see, what, this year, honestly? Yeah, that's true. Um, I'm going to deviate just uh, for a one time only because of the subsequent, the suspected, the highly suspected review bomb. And I'm going to uh, check IMDB for the first time. We got oh, 6.8 out of 10. That's a little more fair. Maybe, eh, maybe low, well, maybe not. I don't know. It's, that's, that's, I mean, a 45 is, uh, I, I don't. I don't believe that forty-five percent of the audience left hating or liking this movie, and sixty-five hated it. I don't believe that. Uh, Six point eight out of ten on IMDb. That's um, hmm, yeah, okay. I could. I'm sure, there's a little bit of review bombing in there, but that's at least a little more what I would have suspected. Um, but yeah, critics seven seventy-nine percent. The one time I might actually look at critics over fans, because. Uh, I don't know, these critics lately, I just can't trust them. Um, Having said that, I'm going to jump into the cast, because I have a criticism, a big one, right off the bat. Jude Law as Jan Rog. Jude Law's a fine actor. I was wondering what you were about to say. (laughs) Maybe the least threatening villain we have seen since the ninjas in RoboCop 3. (laughs) Um, He's up there. well, my problem with that is I'm not so much sure how how much of that is him or how much of that is his writing. Well, yeah, it's it's definitely the writing. I'm not criticizing Jude Law, but Jan Rog posed no threat at all to Captain Marvel, and it's hard to get invest. I mean, they had to call in uh, Ronan the uh, Accuser to like, hey, come add some star power to this villain role because Jude Law is basically just a dude. And he can, he has one scene where he can move stuff with his bracelets. <laughs> it's like, and yeah. if we're, and if we're being honest, Ronan doesn't do anything in this movie at all. No, he's just really a cameo. And uh, such an odd choice that people would only recognize him from the Guardians of the Galaxy. And although uh, James Gunn brought them up in popularity, the biggest criticism of Guardians of the Galaxy was Ronan. Yeah. So 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 you're bringing back the guy that nobody liked. <laughs> okay, that's a that's a strategy, I guess. Ronan was still better than Stephen Wolf, which is very funny. <laughs> it speaks to how much we hate Stephen Wolf. Um but yeah, Jan Rog, like one of the least threatening villains we have seen. Um the one thing I will say is I completely forgot that the guy in his Star Force was the same dude who ran into Star-Lord and did the infamous who gif. So. Now that I, when I watched it for the first time, that I recognized right away. Oh yeah, that gif is massively but, mainstream. But my, <laughs> yeah. I saw well, someone thing, use it uh, on when Pat Sajak retired, and I'm like, really? Like, I get it when you, <laughs> I get it when it's like, you're making fun of like some minor celebrity. It's like, it doesn't work for Pat Sajak. He's been on TV for 40 years. Like, you're not funny. 
Anyway, my thing about Jude Law, really quick before we move on, my thing about Jude Law was I didn't remember his name at all. In fact, in most of my notes to this movie, I referred to him as just the uh, Cree leader. So so my, the initials KL for most of it. Yeah, I I had for, I mean, I remembered he was in this movie uh, when I started it. Like, I know the villain, but like, if you asked me like, a month ago, is Jude Law in the MCU? I would say no. But if you also ask me, is the villain in Captain Marvel lame? I would say, oh yeah, I do remember that. He posed no threat whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Good old writing. Having a character overcome adversity and a, and a physical threat. Yeah. Well. Sure. Um, one of my all-time favorite actors, though... Um, from his role as, uh, oh gosh, I just forgot his character's name, um, but it is Ben Mendelsohn as Talos, the um, the leader, I guess, of the Scroll, and uh, he was on the show Bloodline, and I can't remember the character he played. Let me look it up. But uh, he's he's another uh, he's he's a crossover. He was he did the yeah. dark, he did the Dark Knight Rises. And that infamous scene with Bane. Do you feel in charge? I remember that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can we get some girls in here? <laughs> also, uh, he was in. I I remember him specifically in Rogue One. He was director Krennic. Yes, yeah. He's usually a villain. Uh, so it was nice to. I mean, he was kind of a villain in this for a little bit of the movie, but. Um, he ended up not being Danny Rayburn. That's the role. That sh- Bloodline, man, that's a show that really falls off after season one. That's disappointing because the acting in that show is top tier. And Ben Mendelsohn is the he does the black sheep of the family. And maybe it's just because there's someone in my family I can point to and even looks like him. I'm like, yes, that is exactly so and so from my family. Uh, although not, he doesn't know money of the mob or anything like that. But, you know, it's a TV show. But uh, that was when I first saw Ben Mendelsohn, uh, well, other than Dark Knight. Um, I'm like, this guy, I like this guy as an actor. And I'm glad that he's sticking with the MCU, and he should be in In Secret Invasion, too. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. So I liked this character. Yeah, he was. He definitely had a, he definitely had a charisma, and uh, his interactions with everybody was very interesting. And because it has been, gosh, how many weeks has it been? One, two whole weeks since we've seen him. Samuel L. Jackson, thank God he's back. Eleven <laughs> percent of all epi- of all episodes feature Samuel L. Jackson as now Nick. Well, not always in Nick Fury, but uh, this week Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. Pre perfectly balanced as all things should be. Pre missing eye. So you got to see young Nick Fury with a CGI face. <laughs> you could definitely tell how far de aging has come with these movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was the first one was the first de aging uh, situation X Men: The Last Stand, if I'm remembering correctly. I believe so. Yes. Oof. It's not, it's it's pretty weird. Uh, I, I would say it's pretty weird that that uh, de aging looked worse than uh, Rogue One since since I brought it up. But uh, then I remembered 
their see their de aging was based off of actual people, and this one was somebody who was dead. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want to spoil uh, Flash, but there's some much worse CGI. So I don't. Again, I don't know why C. I don't know why CGI is getting worse as we go for, further into the future, but. It's 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 only because people aren't given the time to work on it. That is true. I'm just waiting for us to go back to stop motion animation and. <laughs> but, Don't give uh, them any ideas, please. I, I will say this: give me puppets over CGI. Jurassic Park to this day will look better than any other Jurassic Park movie. But I digress. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was nice seeing Nick Fury actually mix it up because he doesn't really do that much. I mean, he'll get be in an action scene here or there, but it's the focus is usually on the other Avengers. So it was nice to see him get to get to do stuff. Um, that's kind of why I'm looking forward to Secret Invasion. I know the reviews have only been mediocre, but again, I don't trust the critics. So although Disney Plus Marvel shows have mostly been not as great. We'll see. I think this one they need to hit a home run because it's been a while since we've had one. Uh, but yeah, I like. Uh, I mean, it's Samuel L. Jackson. Come on, what, you know. I feel like I say that every time he comes up on the podcast. I just say his name and say "come on," and that sums it up. Pretty much, yeah. And now the main event: Brie Larson as Carol Danvers slash Veers slash Captain Marvel. Um. I would say she did a fine job. I think my issue, well, there's two issues. One, the weak villain didn't help. But two, it's the same problem I have with Superman. When they make the character too strong, and then when you combine a weak villain, it really makes for a weak climax. So at the end, when it's like, oh, here's this, and then, oh, she killed them easily. Oh, now here's this. Oh, she did that easily. Oh, now here's the villain. Oh, she beat him easily. There was nothing to get all that excited about. It was just, okay, you're Superman, and you're basically fighting, you know, humans, essentially. <laughs> like, um, And I get it. The, the point of the movie was to put over Captain Marvel, not really, you know, whatever. But yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, they could have made it a little more tense at the finale. I mean, my God, it was like, she just, it's like, you know, you know, it's like the main event of a pay-per-view. You don't want it to be a squash match, but that's what it was. <laughs> Sorry, a premium live event. <laughs> uh, yeah. I thought her acting was okay, given the direction she was given. I've seen her in other stuff, and she comes off much better as an actress overall, ignoring the MCU for a second. I think the biggest problem here, and I'll get to it once it really starts to set in, I don't think her character arc was written out the way it needed to be. Or at the very least, I would say her character arc is runs counterintuitive to what we see on screen. Um, Yeah, that could be. I will say, I'm going to guess, a lot of the review bombing, other than people don't like Brie Larson... Probably came from, and I, I'll, I'll, I'm not saying I would, look, I don't think I've ever reviewed a film on Rotten Tomatoes, so I wouldn't review bomb anything, because that's stupid. Uh, I will kind of agree, I thought they went very heavy-handed with the, 
oh, you're a girl, you don't belong here. And it's like, oh, but look, she's doing it, and she does belong here. And it's like, Wonder Woman, which came out a year earlier, didn't need to do all that. And they got their point across. In fact, the the guys that she served with in that little World War One troop, they were, like, impressed by her and thought she was awesome. Whereas this, it's like, eh, it's called a cockpit for a reason. <laughs> it's like, okay, random generic douchey guy that like i don't know i just i thought that was lazy writing to be like what if she was just surrounded by misogynists it's like yeah ugh. it's like marvel you're, you're not breaking new ground here the first female superhero came out in the 80s like this is not the first superhero movie <laughs> with a female lead i just did one last week so it, it, it's basically just the first superhero first female superhero movie for them yeah, and they're like they're acting like that they're the first to do it. So it's like, oh, well, she's she's defying all these all these men. It's like again, and, it's like Supergirl and the, came out in the '80s. I mean, it sucked, but that wasn't Supergirl's fault. It was just terrible writing. Bad writing. Yes. But here's the thing: I don't even have a problem with them putting the uh, having the feminist message in it. The, the the fact remains is, if you're going to do that, you need to write it well. Yeah, it was lazy. Uh, it came off right. like oh, this, you're this, a girl. This, you don't belong behind a go kart. <laughs> yeah, this evoked. Who says uh, that? If you, this heavily evoked in my eyes. And this is always my standard for poorly, poorly developed and poorly uh, written uh, political problems or real world problems. It evoked CW writing a lot. Ooh, <laughs> not great. Um. At least I don't think that was meant to be a compliment. Um, Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, you know, after school special kind of deal. Like, um, actually, you know, what some of the comments kind of remind me of is like um, when you get hired at a new job and they make you watch like the, um, like the sex, not sexual harassment, but just like the respect your coworkers training video or whatever. And it's always like these super generic, you know, comments to women. Like should, should John have told the, the, you know, Marie that he thought, you know, does your hair match the drapes or whatever? I don't know. Um, or like, are you naturally blonde? <laughs> like no one talks like this. Like stop, please. At least not anymore. No. I mean, in Wonder Woman's era, they that would have been an era where they would have been way more misogynistic, but they weren't. <laughs> I don't know, they just I mean, I I'll, I'll have to compare it to Wonder Woman if you're if Marvel's going to make a big deal about this is our first female, then okay, I'm going to compare it to the DC one. Again, though, <laughs> I just we just did Elite last week. So, you're not the first Marvel in fact, you're very late on this. <sighs> but no, she did good, Brie Larson. Uh, yeah. Character maybe a little too strong. That has nothing to do with I don't. I'm scared of strong women. I give the same complaint to Superman. Uh, they just tone down the powers of the superhero, and it's a little more exciting. That's all. Uh, well, let us jump into the plot. This is our first opening. Hmm. R.I.P. to a real one. We open with the all-Stan Lee Marvel intro. The realest one, really, when you think about it. But, uh, yeah, I had forgotten that they did that for him. Obviously, I remember the Chadwick Boseman one, but uh, I had forgotten this one. 
but he still has a couple cameos in the pipeline, so we're not we're not done with him just yet. But yeah, this was the first movie uh, that came out since his passing. So we are on the planet Hala, capital of the Kree civilization, where Veers, of course, Brie Larson. She meets with her mentor, Jan Rog, about a dream she keeps having, and they do some training. He's better than her, but that's about the only time he comes off as threatening in this movie. Uh, Veers then meets with the Supreme Intelligence, which is just an AI, and we learn about the scrolls. They are these aliens that shapeshift and infiltrate into societies and destroy them, so kind of like the communists of the 1920s. But uh, very neat. I like the scrolls. And yeah, Jan Rog. They had nice designs. Yeah, yeah. The CGI Those... overall was pretty solid from what I remember looking at. Yeah, no complaints. We're still not at the bad CGI here. We're still at peak CGI, I think, in Hollywood. Uh, so there's a mission. Jan Rog takes Veers and the, uh, the Star Force on a mission to find the scroll commander, Talos. And on the mission, Veers, um, she, well, there's a whole big thing where she thinks one of her partners is, is, well, one of her partners disguised as a scroll and then zaps her with this taser thing and then she passes out. Cut to a flashback where Veers is on Earth flying a fighter jet or a go-kart or, I don't know. Basically, this is where all of her life men have been telling her that you're a girl and you can't do it because you're a girl. Um... Uh, I don't know. It just was came off lazy to me. Then um, turns out the flashback was the scrolls tapping into her memory and kind of doing like a DVR thing, and they're trying to find a specific frame. And they're like, "Oh, find this. Okay, zoom in, whatever." And then they find this person named Doctor Lawson, who was, I guess, her flight school instructor. Another Something girl. Like that. Another girl. How'd she get promoted? <laughs> The instructor is a female. Why are the, all the other males like making fun of the other female? Like, c- clearly females can excel in this position, but whatever. I guess this is uh, Captain America: The First Avenger Syndrome. I suppose, yeah. So the scrolls want to know. They wake her up. They want to know who Doctor Lawson is. Veer says, "I don't know anyone by that name." And she says, "Well, she's in your head." Veer's, by the way, if you haven't figured it out, has memory loss. And thinks she was born on this planet, but we will find out that it's not the case. Anyway, she escapes from this machine, a big chase slash fight scene. She has these big clubber and things on her hand that she uses. That was kind of cool. And uh, she gets uh, gets a ship, crashes onto Earth, and because it's a movie that takes place in the 90s, she crashes into a blockbuster. Yeah, the... The cinematography was for the most part okay up until this point, but as soon as she crash lands on Earth, it is by the numbers. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like uh, block. I feel like anything in the '90s, they always have to reference blockbuster. R.I.P. So Veers goes over to Radio Shack, which I think still exists. I know their Twitter's still active and very, very odd. Uh, but she makes a communicator to get to this. I, I had to write this. Is I, my BS alarm went off on this. In the 90s, Radio Shack would not sell 
even if you had a genius level intellect. <laughs> Radio Shack does not sell the equipment capable of making a communicator to go to space. I just, I was a little skeptical. About yeah, that, that didn't make any sense at all. Plus, she hooked it up with a payphone, which should only, in theory, be able to call anyone on Earth. Hey, whatever. It's just a movie. Uh, anyway, scrolls show up. They're on Earth now. They intimidate or impersonate surfers. And the next day, Veers is approached by CGI DH Nick Fury. And just as he starts to question her, a scroll attacks them. There's a big chase scene. Uh, she gets on this train with one of the passengers of Stan Lee. And Samuel L. Jackson, sorry, Nick Fury is following the train from the car and Fury he's with uh, Agent Coulson uh, who's been in other movies but this is his timeline debut into the MCU and they're chasing after them only the problem is Coulson calls and he's like well we're done scoping out the blockbuster and the guy in the car is one of the scrolls that was a good twist yeah really nice and Fury kills the scroll Later on, they do an autopsy, realize, I like, he's like, well, it's not from Earth. Like, really? I couldn't have figured that out. He's got green skin, so thank you. Yeah, um, <laughs> one of the things that I thought was interesting is the high fake out, because uh, they play with it a lot, that uh, since we know that he's going to lose his eye, and what he says in Captain America, the, the Winter Soldier is the last time I trust somebody I lost an eye. That's true. I think it's interesting that they did the little fake out when he purposely crashed the car to make sure he killed that scroll. Because there's clearly a cut above his eye, but it's like, eh, that's, uh, it's fine, I guess. Yeah, there's, a, I think, one or two more of, um, uh, what was I going to say? There's one or two more of those teases where it's like, oh, this must be it. And like, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> um, oh, oh, and one more thing. This is kind of a... I'm not sure how this exactly works, because I know in Iron Man 1, the Strategic Homeland Organization, which eventually just tells everybody their initials are S.H.I.E.L.D., um, they only told, were only told that at the end of Iron Man 1. Yet here, Nick Fury refers to it as official S.H.I.E.L.D. business. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, by the way, uh, he only people only call him Fury. That's uh, something to keep in mind later. It's like, my, my wife called me Fury. If I had kids, they'd call me Fury. My friends call me Fury. Um, so, uh, where was I? Ah, yes. So, the guy that did the autopsy, though, not just any doctor. It is actually Talos, who is the scroll leader, of course. Uh, should mention, the scrolls, when they impersonate someone... They retain their short-term memory, so anything recently spoken about, they know, which I think is a nice touch. So you can't you can't do something like, okay, we're going to split up, but before we do, um, the secret, we'll, we'll do like a safe word, you know. And it's like, if, if we run into you, then we'll both say the safe word, which is picture frame. And But it's like, if you did that, the scrolls would know that, so... You know. But it also has a limit. So, like, if two, like if two people know each other, like, what happened on my 21st birthday? You tripped down the stairs and the and the cake uh, and the cake fell on the ground. They wouldn't know that unless you've already said it. 
So it gives them a bit of a weakness too, at least in the sense of learning about information they shouldn't otherwise be privy to. Did that really happen on your 21st birthday? No, I was just using it as an example. (laughs) I'll say you could start drinking at 21. Maybe you did crash down the stairs. (laughs) I ain't that clumsy. Well, uh, so yeah, like I said, Talos was the uh, the autopsyist. I don't know if that's a word, but... Uh, so Veers, next day... This I liked because it related right to my personal life. Veers heads to a truck stop. She kind of is drawn to it because she was there once. And she sees Street Fighter Two arcade game. Which, funny enough, first time I played Street Fighter Two, also in a truck stop. So I appreciated that. Huh. Yeah, that was a uh, <laughs> that's a crazy story. I woke up and I was in the car and it was like 3 a.m. My mom was there. I was probably five or six years old and I was like, "Where are we?" She's like, "Well, we're in Kentucky." I was like, "But I went to bed at our house in Ohio." It's like, "Well, Dad broke down and we had to come get him." <laughs> so uh, did that. Stayed overnight at the truck stop at a hotel. And uh, the next morning, it was an arcade. Like, oh, Street Fighter 2, what's this? Oh, this game's awesome. And they still make it to this day. Just pretty came sure out with a new Fighter one. Six just, yeah, I was about to yeah. say, pretty sure Street Fighter 6 just dropped. I know. And the funny thing is, is I don't think anyone's ever played Street Fighter 1. I mean, I know <laughs> it exists, and I know it's like oh, a, fight, a side-scroller, but no one ever mentions a Street Fighter 1. I remember I played Vega, because I'm like, ooh, he looks cool. He's got a mask and a claw. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure you need an emulator to play Street Fighter 1 now. Probably, yes. So, uh, they also... Uh, so they go and they... Uh, Fury finds her at this truck stop. And they find... Uh, they talk about this Dr. Lawson. And they go to uh, her lab to uh, find out more info on who she was and why she's important and why the scrolls are after her. But while they're there, they meet this cat named Goose. Cool name for a cool cat. And uh, they get to the Hall of Records in the building, and they find the file on Lawson. We find out Lawson was actually a Cree. She's also dead. So she died in an unauthorized test flight in a crash. So, And then Veers sees a photo with her and uh, her partner Maria Rambo, almost said Monica, but also posing with uh, Doctor uh, Lawson. So Veers then calls Jan Rog on her little Radio Shack phone. Says Lawson is actually, or he says Lawson is actually Marvell, uh, who was working on an energy source to end the war. Meanwhile, Talos, who is still the Doctor. Shows up and Fury realizes he's a scroll when he calls him Nicholas. <laughs> really, I'm, so again, really good test that they did that. The other uh-huh. thing I want to point out is, and this is ultimately leading up to the problems I have with the overall characterization of Brie Larson. So when she fights Young Ryan the first time at the beginning of the movie, she's told to control her emotions. The Supreme Intelligence also tells her to control her emotions and her power. And she's being told this again while on the phone with Yon Rock. 
But my thing is, she's not. She's never really demonstrated any real uh, un irrational or emotional state. Like it's a perfect example of where that would have been appropriate is when she's fighting those uh, scrolls on the ship. She gets super angry and she blows a hole so big she almost sucks herself out into space, which doesn't happen. Uh, ultimately, um, but yeah, they, they keep telling her control your emotions, control yourself, and. She's never losing control, so why is she even being told this? It feels like they just did that because, I mean, I'm not an expert with women, but I do know um, if you tell your, you know, if 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 you tell a woman, control your emotions, they don't like that. Um, Not that they should, but... um, I feel like that was kind of what that was, is more of the, uh, oh, Captain Marvel has so much, has to fight through so much sexism. It's like, but Supreme Being, or Intelligence, whatever the hell it was, was a female, although it was AI, so it was nothing, but it was portrayed as a female. Um, but yeah, I don't know, It that's at least what I got, where it's like, control your emotions, you know. But in the end, she doesn't, and then it works out for her. So, I don't know. But, yeah, that's... uh, Anyway, Talos attacks Fury after he realizes it's, you know, a scroll. And Fury and Veers, they eventually escape with Goose, who snuck aboard this uh, plane. And they decide to find Maria Rambo. Then we cut to a heel turn. Jan Rog and his team are actually working for Ronan the Accuser. So there's the big twist. <laughs> yeah, this this ultimately serves to undercut the overall film because since we're not watching these events in chronological order, we've already seen who Ronan the Accuser becomes. He's the man who kills uh, Drax the Destroyer's wife and child. He also attempts to annihilate the... Um, I forget what uh, Zan- the Zandarians in Guardians of the Galaxy, he was the underling of Thanos. So when you reveal that Young Rock is working with Ronan the Accuser, at first you can make the claim, well, maybe he hadn't gone to a complete radical yet. Yeah. And he was just a higher ranking general. But if that was the case, they should have showcased him a lot more earlier. Maybe he's the more radical of the two, and Yon-Rog is the one who typically has to rein him in, at least in that time period of their life. That would make more sense to me than just, especially since they're trying to case all of this in mystery, but they essentially, that's a big red flag to, uh, he's clearly the villain. Yeah, I think this they were hoping for the, um, like, the audience was have the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio meme where they're like, uh, sitting on their recliner, like pointing at the screen, like, oh, look who that is. And it's like, eh, I don't really have that reaction to Ronan. <laughs> Neither do I. Yeah. Um, the first time you said Yon Rog, I thought you said Young Rock, which RIP to that show. <laughs> um, so, Veers and Fury, they find Maria. Maria tells her her real name is Carol Danvers, and they were best friends. Kind of feel like Carol was, um, a third wheel 
because it's like all of their photos, it's like they're having Christmas, and it's like Maria and her daughter, and here's Carol. <laughs> it's like, don't you have your own family? Eh, maybe. Anyway, I just thought that was funny. Uh, but she shows, um, oh, they said that, uh, you know, we had thought you had died with the crash that killed Lawson, but then who should show up other than Talos? But he's unarmed, although he does have another scroll, um, impersonating Maria to Maria's daughter. So, unarmed, but not threatening. But I get it in Talos' point of view. It's like, if I showed up here and had no backup, they could just shoot me and I'd be dead. So they have to at least, you know... I get it from his point of view. So, Talos says that I had the black box. And Maria was like, they said the black box was destroyed in the crash. Talos says, no, the black box survives plane crash. Every black box does, but why don't they make the whole plane out of the black box? Seinfeld how did show. he... How did he get it? <laughs> eh, convenience. Well, Ugh. he's also scared of the cat. And it's not a cat, it's... Uh, I forget what he called it. A flurkin. Flurkin, yeah. Uh, so the recorder of the black box... It's an audio recording. It's Carol and Lawson... They were in the plane that crashed, and it was gunned down by an alien ship. We don't know who was driving it. And Lawson tells Carol her name is... Oh, this is a flashback. And she's like, my name is Marvell, and I come from a planet called Hala. And then she is shot by none other than Young Rock. And he's after the energy core. Carol shoots the energy core so that no one can have it. And then the core then hits her, which I guess she absorbs all the energy and conveniently makes her forget everything. But I guess that's a that's the trade-off. You get a bunch of powers, but you forget everything. Yeah, uh, I want... Other than the convenience of amnesia, I thought that was a clever way to give her her powers. Yeah, um, they, play, they play around a lot with characters receiving powers from Infinity Stones... Or people who are adjacent to Affinity Stones. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, uh, my whole thing was... Yonarog was pretty close to the explosion as well. And, <laughs> I, and, I, and I thought... And my, my thought was that he had also received powers, but because he wasn't as close, his was his weren't as strong as hers. And so I always... So my, my prediction at that point was like, okay... So he's probably going to reveal his powers, and those two are going to trade blows towards the end of the movie. Boy, was I wrong. No, if anything, that sucked more powers out of him. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, this was confusing. Talos then tells Carol that, no, no, you didn't destroy the core, you destroyed the engine. What? How does he know that? I I don't quite get the difference. Like, isn't the core, wasn't that powering the ship? I don't know. Whatever. How did so, any of this information get back to him? Yeah, black box. <laughs> he says, uh, you know, I've also lost everything, and we should work together. And then they do. And Carol then has Maria's daughter, Monica, change up her outfit colors, which is odd. Well, they do, and that's where she gets the traditional Captain Marvel suit. Although, I thought the black and gold looked pretty cool. But they're like, no, yep. definitely not. I'm like... I don't know. It looks pretty sick. <laughs> yeah. So, so I got so I got a lot to say with regards to that entire scene. 
So Carol just like walks out kind of confused. And when and when Taylor says you can help us, he's like she's like, you don't know who I am. I don't know who I am. It's supposed to be an emotional scene where she's confused, angry, betrayed, scared, having a bunch of essentially this should be the character's emotional breakdown. But it doesn't happen at all. She doesn't she's worried about I don't, her clothes. I don't get, like I'm I I see less of an emotional breakdown and more of just quite honestly annoyance which really doesn't sell the, the whole emotional bit they're going for. And then they have um her best friend try and remind her of who she is. And because they're all just kind of standing in a field talking, it really doesn't hit like they think it is. It's just it just comes across very it comes it comes across less like a major reveal that shatters her entire world and more like a petty argument amongst friends and I think that really hurts her overall character arc because this is the perfect time to have her be completely emotional maybe she's using her powers she's angry she's blowing things up destroying things we've seen this plenty of times in other movies and TV shows uh, Star Wars and uh, what Avatar to off the top of my head have exemplified this multiple times. So I'm looking for this explosiveness, this reaction that the movie is honestly setting up because they keep mentioning this emotional stuff, and we it never comes through at all. And she's crying, they're hugging and embracing like they've turned a major milestone, and I felt absolutely nothing. Yeah, I mean. You think about it, her whole adult life, or I should say, the, her whole adult life that she can remember has been a lie. Like, she's been a part of this group of whatever, and she's actually been working for the enemy, and she's been attacking and killing these scrolls who are actually not the enemy. They're good people. Well, maybe. They, they do seem to do some devious things, but, um, yeah, she's like, well... What color should I wear? <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, you're right. I didn't... Eh, she took it well, I guess. <laughs> it's it's funny you mentioned Man of Steel, and it was rather... It's funny you mentioned Superman, because they took the completely wrong lessons from Man of Steel. You know, when you have that big emotional moment where the character's breaking down, yeah, c- undercut it with a goddamn joke. <laughs> Which was even odder, because in the very next scene... Captain Marvel is just standing there in the old green outfit. Granted, it was a scroll, but it was like, I thought you just changed. Like, what? I was confused by that. But I get it. It was a scroll. They met with uh, Yon Rog, who came to Earth, and he figured out it was a scroll, so he shoots her and kills her. So they they really had no problem using that scroll for bait. <laughs> it's like, okay. Uh, Carol, Fury, Talos, and Maria all went and located Lawson's lab up in space. And the energy core... I remember this in the theater, just kind of groaning. It's the freaking Tesseract. This thing has been in as many movies as Samuel L. Jackson. I was so tired of seeing this Tesseract on the screen. The, I'm like, the God, it's always it? the Tesseract. Why is this the one Infinity Stone that, like, will not go away? 
not uh, counting the movies that are going to come after this. Yeah. It appears in Captain America, the first Avenger. Mm-hmm. It appears in Thor. Mm-hmm. At, uh, the Avengers. Yep. Um, I think it technically appeared in Age of Ultra. Yeah, it did. Uh, and it's in an end credit scene of... Uh, oh, it's in an end credit scene of... It might that's, be an end credit movie. scene of a movie you already named, but it was the one where uh, Loki is disguised. Yeah, I think it's Thor, where Loki's disguised as the professor, and he's like, oh, now this is interesting, and it's the Tesseract. I think that might have been Thor. Uh, I think it also appears... I think it's mentioned in Thor, too. It doesn't appear. Yeah, I'm just like, good God, the Tesseract. We're doing the Tesseract again? Like, come on. I mean, of all the Infinity Stones... I don't really see how that one is the one that empowers her so much. Her her biggest thing, her most of her abilities seem to be the ability her to handle radiation and to shoot out a photon blast, which I'm sure photons have something to do with uh, space in general, but it seems more something that should emanate from either the reality stone or just the power stone. Yeah, you could have switched it up and picked a different stone, but... Well, anyway, Talos is reunited with his wife and kid, but Star Force shows up, and uh, they put Carol under some weird trance, and she sees an illusion of Marvel mocking her, but uh, she overpowers the illusion, she rips off... I don't know what this was. This I think it was a... Something that... She's like, well, I've been fighting with one arm tied behind my back, and now I'm let's, not, and rips Let's call it a power out. inhibitor, just, yeah, just to sure. be safe. I guess. Uh, uh, they never really introduced what it did, but... I think I think they did, kind of, when she first talked with the Supreme Intelligence, because Yon Rock says what is given can be taken away. So they wanted her under the impression that they bestowed her with those powers. Yeah, So that chip was to, nip, to prevent her from using them in case she went rogue. My thing is... The characters are all in the room with her with guns in their hands as she's being trapped by the Supreme Intelligence. But they see her basically powering up and no one decides to do anything until she stands up and starts glowing like the like the sun and not surprisingly blast them all away. Yep. And this also comes through after that sequence we brought talked about earlier or rather in part of the overall message of the film, which is about her being kept down by different people and men and then stand, finding the courage and strength to stand back up, which, again, they never really built to that point either because she it could have been as easy as her sitting down or collapsing from sadness in the scene in the field. And she gets a, and she gets a hand standing up this time because. None of this really just comes together. It just seems like this is happening because it needs to versus this is happening because the story has dictated that it should. The story has dictated up to this point and the thematic elements leading up to this scene need to be paid off. Yeah, it's uh, well, this is my biggest complaint of the movie. Or I should mention Goose eats the Tesseract during this scene. But uh, yes, uh, Captain Marvel is at full power now. And here's the climax. We get uh, 
She takes out the whole Star Force fairly easily. Rest of the team escape with the Tesseract. Also, uh, what was that? What was the song they played? Was it "I'm Just a Girl" or something? Yeah. Why? Well, she's just a girl. <laughs> that's that's that. If you want to play that, make that a in credits. Make that a, a credit rolls song. That's that's not the song you need for a fight sequence. Yeah, they should have gone with. Uh, I mean, she was wearing a nine inch nail shirt throughout the whole movie. Should have gone with like uh, "Hand That Feeds" because it's like. They were kind of the hand that fed her, and now she's biting it. You know, there you go. I just thought of that off the top of my head. How hard was that? I think there's one more that would have worked better. Let me see if I can think of it. Uh, I don't think they played Nine Inch Nails, even though she wore the shirt. I know they played Nirvana. Um, I'm trying to think of the other songs. Unless there was end credits songs that I didn't watch. They didn't They didn't get bad reputation clear? <laughs> no, apparently not. That would have been perfect. Yeah. Well, uh, so Jan Rog, he goes after Carol, crashes his plane, and as Ronan shows up, he sends some reinforcements, which actually, they're just a bunch of bombs. Carol destroys all of them pretty easily. Ronan then sends a bunch of ships. She destroys all of them pretty easily. And then Ronan decides to retreat. So, that was cool. So that pointless. was so uh, That was great. Uh, then Carol lands on the planet for her final fight with Yon Rog, and guess what? She takes him out pretty easily. I did uh, like. Yeah. A part of me did like the subversion in this scene because you're expecting this big fight, and she, and then she just one shots him. And again, I think if this fight had happened where they both had powers of, of the same variety, because of the explosion, it was well choreographed, and she beat him. And then he gets back up and he's like, oh, yeah, well, I bet you can't beat me without your powers. And she's just like, I'm not doing that. That's stupid. And then one shots him. I don't I think I thought it was fine. It just I think the biggest problem was she she wasn't fighting him directly at any point during this film. Like, what if she what if he was in one of the ships and she brought, brought it down? Like she, he's using he's a great pilot. He's using using his abilities to maneuver her and hit her with attacks. And then she gets the upper hand and then he knows he can't beat her with his own weapons and everything else. Again, good ideas, bad execution. It just seems to be the entire because up until the third act of this movie, I didn't have much of a problem with it. But once we get to the reveal, it seems like things don't even. Things that should be falling into place just completely fall apart and don't make any sense. Or or at the very least aren't as interesting as they should be. Yeah, I mean, clearly the point was to put over how strong Captain Marvel was. Which, okay, mission successful. But it also, the reverse effect is you had a very anticlimactic climax. It was... No sense of, oh, this could do it for her. It's like, nope. Everything they sent after her, Star Force took him out. Bombs took him out. The ships took him out. Yonrog took him out easily. Like, there was no struggle at the end, which, again, you have you have put over Captain Marvel as, like, this, clearly the strongest Avenger. The problem is she's the strongest Avenger by very far. So now it's like, I kind of have the same thought of, it's like, okay, she, she'll join the Avengers next movie. I get it. But it, it kind of, it's like, 
with Superman, does he even need the Justice League? And I get it, you know, Thanos is stronger than, uh, you know, Stephen Wolf, but you know, we never got Dark Side, so we'll leave that alone. But it's like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah my, that, that's the, you know, it's like if if you know if if it was Ronan instead of uh, Thanos, it's like, would we even need all the Avengers, or could Captain Marvel just do it on her own? So it's like when you're when you're that level of powerful where it's like, why are we even doing a team up when one Avenger is all we need? I lose interest. It's not as interesting. You you got me thinking now, should her and uh, Thanos have had an interaction in in this movie? You think? Should it have been Thanos instead of Ronan? I mean, not to jump ahead a few weeks, but I mean, Thanos does get the better of her a little bit. Uh, Her and Thanos one-on-one, Thanos would win, but... uh, I mean, she she's put over pretty strong in that movie too, but we'll get to that. I got three weeks for that one. <laughs> so, um, she tells uh, Jan Rog, "I'm sending you back." She didn't kill him. Like, what are we doing? But she sends him back to the Kree with a message that she'll be looking to end the war. And then on the way back home, Goose scratches out Fury's eye, and that's how he lost it. That might have been the worst decision made in this entire movie. Uh, which it's strange that he kept the cat. Like, I would not keep a cat that clawed my eye out. <laughs> and also, he specifically said to Captain America, the last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye. First of all, to be really angular about it, you didn't trust, you never told the cat, I'm trusting you not to, to scratch me. You specifically said, I'm trusting you not to eat me. Yeah. So he kept that promise. And also, what was the impetus to him scratching him? I don't know. He just did it. Cats are sometimes dicks. So I don't have any. Um, I did like uh, when Coulson, jumping ahead, Coulson brings in a bunch of glass eyes. And he's like, oh, is it it true that the, the Kree burned your eye out and you wouldn't tell them the location of the power source? Like, that was funny. I laughed at that. But uh, jumping backwards, uh, Carol tells Talos that she'll help them find a home. Fury then gives Carol the idea that Marvel sounds better than Marvel, which he's right. Marvel sounds stupid, um, which also kind of egotistical from Marvel Comics to just name a superhero after themselves. But um, anyway, Carol gives uh, Fury a pager. Says it's for emergencies only, which he will use when he disintegrates at the end of Infinity War. Yeah, really quickly. How many how many emergencies have arisen so far? Uh, we got we definitely have out on the call New Mexico an emergency. That's more so just a crisis. But the Avengers definitely an emergency. New York's got like a population of what? How many people? Yeah, like eight million. That's a substi- That's a substantial portion of the planet. Mm-hmm. Plus, if they don't get stopped there, it's going to spread everywhere else. Age of Ultron, literally the entire world is in danger. Captain America, the Winter Soldier, the entire world isn't in danger, but uh, they're basically completely outgunned. And every other Avenger is busy that week because they're also fighting similar threats in different areas. Yeah, I mean... Thanos is the biggest threat, but uh, I did think about that, too. I was like, well, 
there was no way of knowing that Thanos would be the biggest threat, especially when New York City's being invaded by Loki and all of these aliens. You couldn't imagine anything worse than this. There will be, but you didn't know that at the time. But, uh, don't worry. There's going to be a team of superheroes that is much, much lazier than that, so I'll just leave that as a teaser. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah, so Fury is then in his office, and he decides he wants to find more heroes like her. And he looks at a photo of Carol's plane, which is called the Avenger, so he names it the Avenger Project. That was fine. Yeah, that was okay. Uh, mid credit scene, Captain Marvel arrives on Earth after Fury had paged her, and asks the Avengers, where's Fury? And that's all. And then the uh, end credit scene is Goose jumps on Fury's desk and coughs up the Tesseract. So there you go. Oh, boy. And that was Captain Marvel. All right. Uh, You you want to go first or should I? I can go first. Um, This is the first time I wish we could do quarter points, but I don't want to start a new tradition 160 episodes in. So... I mean, there was some, there was a lot to like about the movie, but overall the writing was substantially weaker than a lot of the, what we're used to. I mean, just looking back over recent stuff, um, I mean, Black Panther, the writing was much stronger. Infinity War, the writing was stellar. Uh, Ant-Man and Wasp, I thought the writing was very good. Um, yeah, and this one just felt... Uh, I mean, okay, let me, I want to make sure I don't grade it lower than other movies that I especially didn't like. So, like, um, it was better, at least to me, it was better than, like, an Iron Man 3 or Thor Dark, okay, so Thor Dark World I gave a five and a half to. This was better than Thor Dark World, and I think it was better than Iron Man 3, well, okay, it was better than Iron Man 3, which I give a six and a half to. This is where I wish I could give quarter points. I'll give a six and a half to this as well. I would give a six point seven five. I don't think it's quite at a seven yet though. But uh, yeah, some plot holes. The writing wasn't very strong. Villain, my big complaint. Weak, weak climax. Yeah, I think they made the hero too strong and the villain too weak. And um, I mean, like you mentioned, not a, not a big, not a, I mean, the character arc, where she got her powers, was kind of interesting, although the amnesia was a little convenient, but, uh, yeah, no character arc when she found out her whole life was a lie, it was just, oops, let's change my clothes now, which, ironically, was the one thing that they were trying to avoid, was female stereotypes. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, right off the bat, this is two years into phase three of the MCU, which many people, myself included, regard as the best overall phase of the MCU so far. Whether whether you and I don't think everybody loves every movie in this phase, but definitely. When you look top to bottom, this has a noticeable level of quality that is pretty consistent throughout each movie. In my opinion, this is the worst movie out of Phase 3. 
And I gave it the same rating I gave The Amazing Spider-Man 2, but I, my reasons are completely different. Because oh, ultimately, although the movie was a complete mess and at retconned things and changed things and ultimately didn't make much sense by the end, I feel like they still held together an actual arc for both Peter Parker and Gwen and that there's there are tangible elements and different things they're learning and having to make decisions on. Here, the main character is the weakest part, and I have a big problem when they can't really give a strong character or a good arc to the main character, the person we're spending the most time with. Uh, Brie Larson was a great actress with this. Uh, her interactions with Nick Fury and Maria and Monica Rambeau were all really nice. But this third act is the main reason why this movie just didn't do much of anything for me. Is this isn't this isn't the worst movie I've ever seen, uh, comic book wise, in terms of modern day comic book movies, aka movies after 2012. It's still not the worst, but it is the definition of middle of the road. So I gave this one a five out of ten. Oof, brutal. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, it's not uh, not too far off from where I was, point and a half. Well, she'll have a chance. I mean, she'll of course they they do mention in the end credits Captain Marvel will be back in Endgame, so we'll see her in uh, three weeks, uh, and then of course she's got uh, episode two hundred and four. Whenever we get there, that'll be the Marvels. See how that goes with. Uh, Joined by Miss Marvel and Monica Rambeau, whatever her character is called, I can't recall, but that's, uh, what did I say, 50-some weeks from now? 40-some? I don't know. Live math, I can't do it, I tell you. Next week, though, I find, this is the first time I get to say it, Fire Up Max. Not HBO Max anymore, just Max. For Shazam. So there we go. Shazam is next week. Uh, we're back into DC territory. Um, as the resident DC expert, will you be joining us? Or shall I look elsewhere? <laughs> uh, next week I'm going on vacation, so... Oh, well, I'll look elsewhere then. <laughs> Hopefully we won't have... Where, where, where are we going? Anywhere fun? Uh, back to Mexico. This will be my uh, third time. Oh, nice, nice. Enjoy. Thank you. Drink plenty of cervezas. Um, <laughs> but yeah, next week I'll uh, have to find someone. So that'll be Shazam on Max. And um, since we're already talking, we got the trap game after Shazam, Hellboy. And then, of course, the big one, Avengers Endgame. And uh, we'll just stop it right there. Uh, I don't want to get too far ahead, but that's what's coming up. So, Max.com next week for Shazam. Uh, six and a half from me on Captain Marvel. Five from Simon. Um, again, follow the podcast, EC underscore hero on Twitter, EC HeroCast Instagram. Myself, EddieC85, Simon, SGC Speaks on Twitter. And we will get out of here with the Captain Marvel quote. <clears throat> I have nothing to prove to you.